Hello and welcome to this week's Star One podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. How goes it, Ted? How are your recording setup? <laughs> I'm, I'm a disaster. I'm a walking disaster, <laughs> but uh, we're we're here. It is the 14th of April. Is that right? We're on April. <laughs> I believe so. I put that date on the front on the slide. If, if you know, if anyone's looking in, we're, we're recording via Twitch again. Uh, so you know, if, if if you're there, you're already here. I don't know why I'm broadcasting that. And if you're listening later, then um, uh, so we'll talk about some slides, and I'll put the slides up on on the website uh, on the podcast page afterwards. I should have emphasized that last week, but I'm doing it now. Last week. All right. Uh, let's see. So we are going to talk about. Some things, um, we have another course offering that's going to get launched this week. We are also talking about sticker twists. So James has done some uh, some work on uh, some interesting decisions coming up this summer. Yeah, I... I'll, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get to it in a minute, but the essential concept is, like, uh, <laughs> according to internet sources, these... Uh, these these contracts are going to they're going to expire in 2021. So I mean, everyone knows about like what's happening in 2020 because you know the free agents are plenty. But like you know, what what should people what should people do with these 2021 players? And you know, we've seen Christian Eriksen famously kind of like sit out his contracts until nearly the very end uh, recently. And yeah, so decisions going to have to be made. So what me and Ted are going to do is chat about some of these players and and to think about whether what we should do. Uh, what what clubs should do, whether they should retain their services or look to cash in now, or maybe even hold them hold them for that last year. We'll just we'll have a think about it, and uh, we've got a bunch of players lined up and some uh, some kind of like viz that supports it either way. But yeah, first things first things first. Ted, you I mean the the success of the introductory course. Uh, a lot of people have signed up for that so far, and um, so that's been really refreshing. We've got got good feedback so far. Uh, people are saying they like it, which is good. It is an introductory course. It's not going to teach you how to to code everything, but it will give you an idea of what what is what is stats and analytics. And I think people are people are getting that message. But you've you've you know you've got your own course, uh, the, the a pure Ted Knutson joint, uh, where <laughs> which is uh, which is about set pieces, and uh, that you've you've uh, done this course a few times across the world, and not for a while. Uh, but that's also coming to prime time, I believe. Uh, when when's that happening, Ted? Uh, so I think we're gonna lo- um, we should have the site launch up probably tomorrow. Um, people are like, why is it taking you so long? But the the answer is that you have to get all the details right so that nothing goes wrong while people start buying stuff, and to make sure that it's an easy um, sort of process to to purchase things, and so that we deliver things correctly, etc. My mic now works, by the way. I was an idiot and had the mute on, but I think my other ah, my other microphone was coming through the uh, webcam that I recently enabled, uh, which I don't usually do, but uh, we're trying that out for today's um, pod. So anyway, uh, set pieces course. Let's see, last time I taught this was to the Chelsea women's um, coaching group. Uh, do that on a on a one to one basis uh, for different clubs uh, around the world, but the public version, gosh, I think it might have been LA uh, when we were out in, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, it could be actually. That, that was last July, I think. So it's been a while since um, yeah, since anyone's seen this seen this stuff. Yeah, uh, the credit to putting together all the slides on this would go to Ewan, so it's not just me, but a lot of it is based off of the stuff that we. Initially built at Micheland and then have since updated considerably uh, based off of our research and our experience, etc. So, 
How are you going to do this, Tech? Because people people need to clear their schedules. So because everyone's very busy right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> they need a heads up. Here. We're going to do an hour uh, on Monday to Thursday, I believe it is, and we're going to um, effectively. It could be sixty minutes. It could be ninety minutes. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but we'll do it based off of you know, certain process that we've already got. Uh, we'll do it as like segments that work together, and then each day. Uh, people will be able to ask us questions and we will uh, circle back around. So um, I'm not going to do it kind of fully live because I don't know how many people there could be. Uh, if it, if the response is anything like it is for the uh, the courses right now, it could be, I don't know, uh, 100, 200 people at a time, which would be too difficult to, to do an online course with full feedback. But what we can do is we'll do the overnight stuff. Uh, you send me an email uh, or messages with your questions. We'll answer them at the start of the next thing and we'll, we'll circulate. Um, so yes, uh, the ideas are principles of, of design. We teach you how to coach some of this stuff. Uh, we give you insight into corners, free kicks, throw-ins, uh, some long throws, analyzing opponents' strengths and weaknesses. Um, like when do we use different things? Why do we use them that way? And then finally, how to implement these ideas at the at the club uh, or team level. So like all that should fit together pretty well, I hope. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll see. Sure I've never taught it online. What's the, what's the date? What's the date you're doing it? Uh, it's going to start on the 27th of April. There you go. 27th of April, everyone. That's what we got. Big day. Yeah, you know. 27th of April. Should we, should we move on? That's coming. If anyone's enjoyed the introductory course and you want, you know, a slightly different look at football, you know, or you enjoy it, indeed you enjoyed the set piece section of uh, of the introductory course, which Ted did. Um, you know, I am not an expert in set pieces. Ted is an expert in set pieces, so he's got a whole course to back it up. Uh, so yeah, do do sign up when that comes up, and it'll be coming up soon. I have questions about my week. expertise in that space, honestly. Well, it's more than mine. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> plenty more than one anyway, no, I mean, right. I'm not selling this very well am I no I, I think we're we're always honest about <laughs> like our levels and, and compared to everybody else like we have probably done this an awful lot and thought more about it and obsessed about it but compared to like where it will be in 5 to 10 years time like we'll probably look pretty dumb and there could be better ways to, to do stuff so who knows people have enjoyed it so far Ted you know the people that attended the course have, have always said nice things about it and they've said nice things about the course you know that I did as well so you, there's a certain degree of quality that you get associated with the stats bond name or, or maybe we, they we, were we, just being nice <laughs> <laughs> people are also nice but you know <laughs> let's not worry about moving that. right let's along get, let's get to the con let's get to the content oh you because, you uh, want the good news section we the first slide on this one is harry kane <laughs> right yeah so i'll describe the slides quickly and like i say they'll be on the website uh, alongside the uh, the um the podcast afterwards so if anyone wants to kind of like you know look, kind of refer to what we're looking at we'll, we'll endeavor to make it as um uh, integrated as we can and conversational so that you know you're not just thinking like these guys are staring at something and not telling me anything but what i've done is essentially i've put i've put these i've put all these players i've put their two seasons ago and then their current season like on a kind of like uh distribution chart and radar charts just to see if there's any differences here um now harry kane is the completely is completely unique out of this list like all the other players we're going to talk about I believe have contracts expiring in 2021 amazingly uh, Harry Kane's contract expires in 2024 he signed a six year deal in 2018 uh, but it looks like a great contract recent... right now say again it's a great contract right now I would love to own that contract if I were Harry Kane <laughs> I'd love to yeah anyone with a six, five, six year contract right now in football is absolutely sitting free but this is the thing that you know with obviously the world changing uh, that 
very recently, I, I think he did, did an interview somewhere, or it might have been like a little kind of web chat type thing, where, where he, it felt like uh, Kane was actually, for the first time, saying, potentially evaluating his future, as in, you know, I think he's, he's never one to rock the boat or say anything, you know, out, out of line, but... I think he, he kind of alludes to the idea that he would evaluate where where his career was going or where the club was, where Tottenham was going, and and think uh, what to do next. Now, obviously, Tottenham have been uh, trending in a kind of less than positive way uh, for some while, despite the Champions League final. Pretty much everything else in the last kind of uh, twelve to fifteen months hasn't looked too great. Uh, so you could quite understand if he was getting to a stage where he was thinking like, I'm, you know, twenty seven in July. I ain't won anything much, apart from a bit of, you know, golden boot at the World Cup kind of thing. I'd like to win some trophies. Um, but the facts around here, there's, there's all sorts of factors around this. Like, he is, he's about to be 27, so he's just at that age where you can you can see people people could, like, stump up the cash for him. But his performance really lags behind uh, behind his reputation at the moment and has done for no. a No! No! <laughs> Don't say that. He scores <laughs> he's got, so he's, many. He still goals. scores goals. I mean, that's that's the thing. But like, like a lot of them are penalties. Oh, and, um, there we hit it. <laughs> and uh, you know, some some are just I don't know. He has he's, he has got that ability to find goals somehow. What are you doing, Ted? What are you I'm, doing? I'm I'm logging in to look at goals. I wanted to to find Mr. Harold Kane. He's got loads of goals. Uh-huh. Don't worry about that. Uh, no, see, this is the funny thing. Like, you're the one that put up the slides, and you're the one that feels like you have to defend him. <laughs> but you're also, like, you know, being fairly I'm honest. I'm offering a balanced view, Ted. <laughs> a balanced view. There we go. Nine goals from an XG of, of 5.4 this year. That's season. a lot of goals. Only two penalties here. How about last year? Good finisher. Good finisher. He, he actually this is, is the thing. So there's the thing. He is a good finisher. Like, we don't, we don't bullshit about this. Like, we think that he's a good finisher. He's very good at taking shots early um unsettling or sort of when when keepers aren't settled um he's also a very good ball striker uh not necessarily on free kicks I, we haven't seen that as much and if you look out here you see like not, he doesn't take many uh erickson was the primary free kick taker i guess but you know this this <clears> quality <throat> of shot not super high last year 13 goals plus four pens um this year a lot of goals you know there are a lot of a lot of goals involved in this ish but like the how true is the the xg stuff versus you know and the injury stuff right and it's not just like this is a, a recent trend this is a big fall off so on the on the screen when james put it up here is the the comparison of the his 24 year old season his 26 year old season his 24 year old season looked amazing and then he got injured in what march and yeah something like that i think it was end of february um and and yeah he looked like the next coming and he he was gonna be basically I, if not Ronaldo and, and Messi, because nobody is, like, you know, possibly Lewandowski, like, definitely one of the, the best five strikers in the world. Would you call him one of the best five strikers in the world right now? Yeah, no, because he's, he's, he's become, I think something you can pick up from this um, is the fact that he, at 24, he was very much the kind of, like, finisher in the team. He's, he's you know, his, his expected goals and shot rates were really, really high. Um but then it's felt like he did less less around the rest of the team. Um, we can see a little bit here, like, uh, you know, he, he wins more aerials now than he used to. Um, Is that important? Kind of idea around, well, his kind of idea around his, like, his pressure rates might be slightly different to what they to what they were. It feels like he's dropping back in the team. This is the thing. He's not, like, the focal point at the end of the team, but, which he maybe was. But Spurs bought him midfield. Was, 
that that shouldn't be as necessary anymore. <laughs> well, it's difficult. It's it's just difficult, isn't it? And uh, you know, the, 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 he scored so many goals when he was when he was good, and uh, now it feels like he hasn't had a good run of like fitness for like say two years and the performance in between the kind of like fitness bursts has, has been you know the the finishing remains but like maybe the kind of like mobility and ability to get beyond the defence is just is lacking uh, where it once once was there he was never super quick but he was you know pretty pretty sharp on the front end um, and but where if he if Harry Kane wants to leave the, leave Tottenham is there anywhere in the world that he could land realistically I'm not sure there is what do you think? Uh, no, I I don't think that Harry Kane can go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like really weird, right? But I don't think that he's got a buyer that wants to pay for his services. I, I, I don't not think with it's this right. This con- the contract's too long, so basically he's not going to go cheap, right? Whatever happens to the transfer market, like Daniel Levy is not going to suddenly be like, actually, yeah, you can have my striker cheap. He's not going to do right, that. but like, what's cheap <laughs> anymore? Right, like, everything everything is changing yeah. right now. So it's it's a really difficult situation because like his his value and his value is probably going to be higher than it potentially should be because you're you you know if if you're let's say let's say Real Madrid were interested in him, I personally don't think they would be uh, at this juncture, uh, but potentially they might want to re- um, you know look look into replacing Benzema or something that's conceptually possible. But yeah, but who, who's who's going to literally come and stump up what hundred million plus at least? Yeah, I, I don't think I mean, he's worth that though, right? No, and that's the thing. And like, there's even talk of like you know, kind of like pre-COVID values of like two hundred million. And the thing is, you want you want like Mbappe and the the right age or Neymar. Uh, with a good attitude, sure. or you know, wh- whatever it is for the, for these kind of prices, and uh, Kane, fantastic attitude, you know, absolute kind of committed, you know, much much like uh, Ronaldo before him, you know, the, the attitude towards his profession and doing his job is spot right. on, but we're just not seeing the outputs uh, that we saw two two three years ago, and even if we consider 2017 18 as, as an outlier where he you know he just his shot rate and his goal rate just kind of like exploded. Like we're not seeing what we saw in sixteen, seventeen, fourteen, fifteen, uh, where he was like kind of like three, three and a half, four, four shots a game man, you know, top scorer in the league, hadn't had a succession of injuries. So yeah, I mean, it feels like if you're going to look at the absolute premium, which by some definition, because of his long contract and his profile and his reputation and his owner. Um, mean that he he should command a high fee, but the performance lags. So I I I just genuinely cannot envisage a buyer. Especially uh, there was a report yesterday that was weirdly unsourced saying that the Tottenham wouldn't sell him within the Premier League. So that really that rules out uh, you know four or five potential, well, probably two or three if, if that potential landing spots. Um, who who's left? There really aren't many clubs that. Um, and you have to be really excited left. as a Tottenham fan that you're going to eat this entire contract till 2024. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I just. What else can you do? I mean, the, 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 replacing him in in any conception is is difficult to think about as well because, um, you know, he he's a reliable goal scorer. He is, and they're hard to they're hard to find. So you know, even if you allow the fact that like right, maybe we've seen the best of him in the past, and he's he's it's time for him to move on actually actually like thinking right and who is going to step into those shoes 
it's not a not a fun kind of task to, to you know for someone to someone to solve. You know, we can we can just we can see a good example of that, like Luka Jovic, who's been to Real Madrid. We could see from a statistical perspective, looked like you know really strong in the uh, seasons uh, season out in Germany. You thought like, yeah, this is an obvious no-brainer, someone to buy, you know, one for the future. Looks like Madrid are going to kind of like roll him over to next year and you know keep keep with him, which is the right thing to do because he's suddenly not he's not such a bad player overnight, but. It just shows, like, it's one thing to identify that kind of quality of player and, and hope that they can fit into your mega team or high, highly echeloned Premier League team and succeed. And it's another thing for them to actually hit the ground running and, you know, be a prolific goal scorer in your team. So, oh, man, it's just headache, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a problem. And, you know, you don't want this to be, like, your biggest wage package. And yeah. you don't think that he's going to be healthy the whole time, but it's a sunk cost now. Like they, they could shift him. You would have to really wrap your head around like why you shifted him and at the expense there. But I don't know. It's for me. I I have trouble with this. And yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm glad that it's not my team. But my team has enough other problems that you know who who knows. You know what? The, you know what the, the 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 benefit of right now is he's you know he's getting a nice rest and recovery if if you know football's going wrong right now he'd be chomping at the bit to get back on the pitch sure, I, I so think that's as, true as and long as he's as long as he's not running around in a virtual reality helmet in his back garden like scoring all the goals and stuff right and when, when he <laughs> when he only has like a, a four week period in between seasons um you know he'll be fine mm. yeah he'll just go like a full 12 <laughs> in into euros think- like right into it he'll be he'll be awesome I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see if, if, if we get a moment where football recurs, let's say June, July or something, and like you know what kind of what kind of fitness levels are we going to see like from the get go? Are, are, are people, you know, if you're in a club right now, are you think imagining that right? Well, this is our summer. We need to like you know rejig our entire uh, you know kind of like fitness strategy for like now, so that in June and July, these guys are coming back to the peak. I mean, it's probably less important for Liverpool probably okay don't worry about it you know all we've got to do is win like one or two games whenever it restarts but if you're um you know say a tottenham or you know even like sheffield united who not out of the top four race like sitting there and thinking how do we how do we figure out our fitness and make sure that when whenever we come back and we don't know when we're coming back but to make sure that when we do come back we're actually you know anywhere near some kind of uh, competitive level of fitness. This run-in I mean, actually matters for a bunch of teams. Hmm. And yeah, I, there was Nikos was talking about how if they don't have enough time, like just everybody's going to get injured because it's going to be a very intense run-in. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think that they said they they need at least three weeks effectively to to get players up to speed, and they've they've had their own fitness regimes uh, at home. But I don't know. It's it's tricky. So. We moved on to the next slide here, which is the sticker twist, the 18-month the ones beyond Harry Kane. Uh, I always like to give James a, a hard time about Harry Kane, but the truth is, you know, it is what it is. But there are a lot of players on all sides of the, the age spectrum that make for interesting discussions. So we we figured we would fill up uh, the conversation today with some of these most interesting cases, uh, some of whom are old enough or going to be old enough that it makes me feel awkward <laughs> that wow how long have i actually been doing this <laughs> like yeah, yeah. memphis and, and julian draxler at age 27 fuck me 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been longer than it feels like some days. Um, although working with James feels like an eternity. Uh, Quite. <laughs> so go ahead, start us off, James. Yeah, no, I like again as I said, start with the, the all these players on the screen. Uh, I'll, I'll list them briefly: Leroy Sane, Pogba, Aubameyang, Aguero, Wijnaldum, Eric Dyer, Mesut Özil, Lingard, Matic, Josh King, uh, Jude Bellingham, Messi, James Rodriguez, uh, David Alaba, uh, Thiago, Upamecano, Klosterman, Donnarumma, Milic, Zielinski, Depay, and Draxler. They've all apparently got 2021 contract expired. I think you did better with uh, the names there than we did last week with the Croatian, Serbian, and Polish names. <laughs> <laughs> I had a go. I mean, you know, it's funny. It, it's one of those things about like broadcasting. You just don't realize until you, you think you know how to say things until you actually have to say them out loud. And then it's like suddenly in the moment, I don't know how to say Harry Kane or something. You know, it's just <laughs> Upa Magano. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I can't even think. Anyway, uh, yeah. So all of these players are kind of, um, uh, you know, they are right now. Um, basically going into the summer where decisions could be made now someone's someone's put a thing in the chat saying that Thiago's almost guaranteed to extend his contract well that's interesting because I've got a point to make to that when we get when we get to him but we're not going but, yeah, there right now and also no, no, chat no, person he's, he's, sometimes we create topics that we can discuss because they're interesting but not necessarily 100% factual <laughs> no, but this, this 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 is you know this is worth worth noting when we get to it because um yeah all of these players I, th- I think that they're all variously interesting now let's let's start with Sane now Sane's going to be out of contract at twenty five years old sorry I thought that he's going to be sold there's, there's no Sane slide right no there isn't Sane because he hasn't okay. played this season so oh you know, right good. yes I haven't got anything so, to compare so this so, is one reason why this is a very interesting discussion what do you do with a twenty five year old that's a pace forward that blew his ACL. Yeah. Right, and it hasn't been seen for a year. So fascinating because on the surface, you know, he's probably uh, probably the most enticing kind of like option on this whole list for for you know peak quality and the fact that you know if if you can, whereas he probably would have gone last last summer, may well may, maybe would have gone last summer, certainly would have gone this summer if if he'd if he'd you know uh, had. Uh, retain fitness. Now we've got this question of like, what what is going to happen to Leroy Sane? Because um, yeah, whatever fee you're going to get this this summer is doubly reduced for the fact that he's missed a season and uh, obviously the COVID stuff going on. And uh, you know, at the end of that, do you, if you are buying, there's a lot of rumours been going to buying. Do you actually sit there and think like, tell you what, you've only he's only got one more year on his contract. We'll just see how he gets over his his, his injury and maybe hoover him up uh, summer of twenty one. Surely that's the smart play. Yeah, that's definitely the play. And I think his agent actually is probably happy with that. The only people that are unhappy with that is Manchester City. But his agent, you know, presumably he's got some level of insurance uh, coming off of that, uh, maybe hopefully before the the ACL. But his agent looking at it saying, as many of these guys have, like if we run down our contract, then we get a chance to to move for uh, no fee, especially at at 25. so there's no no compensation on the the training compensation above and beyond that, and then most of whatever might get paid like then goes to to Sane and his agent as like what we would call a signing bonus in the U.S. the The difficulty here is you know if he's not fully recovered, then maybe he loses a bunch of money off of that. Uh, and City, you know, if they don't want to keep him, then they obviously want to get money off of it. But I think like we saw two years ago that it's 
we had said we is more likely for players to start to run their contracts further down because the teams were playing hardball in a way that I think was starting to taint the market. Like this is this market works in a way that um, you know you have to have some level of comfort and trust between everybody. And what we've seen more and more and more actually in the media with the COVID stuff and the and the potential. Um, losses uh are when they're trying to to shrink down the uh what do you call it the wages the that everybody says well there's no no trust between anybody in the premier league and the the players and the owners and whatever so that clearly lends itself to this sort of situation now what do you do i don't know like i'm i'm, I'm asking i'm not sure how, what i would do here yeah yeah no it's it, it's it's tricky to evaluate it's so tricky to evaluate right now paul pog was another one i mean he's, he's on my list he'll be 28 next uh next summer um, so, uh, and, you know, if he doesn't move somewhere this, uh, this summer, which I think again, pre COVID probably he would have found, found a location. I'm sure his agent would be working hard to find him a location. He's barely figured this season though. Again, I think he moves this I mean, summer. I, I think that the, you think he goes, he goes regardless. I think the well has been tainted enough that United will absolutely shift him. Like from what I've heard off and on, from media covering the the club and stuff like that, who have some insight, like I think that the club is really frustrated and upset. And you know, Pogba has played this in a way that he's basically played himself out of town, which is what he wanted to do. But it is really tainted relations with Mino and tainted relations with the player, and it's just time. Who's he going to though? Anywhere he's, else. You know, he's played nothing this season. Sure. Again, you're just re- relying that he's he's you know he's not just uh, you know perpetually injured. You know where he's like, probably he, not like, going. Hey, players coming off like you know seven game seasons. It's just yeah. You don't even know. even if there's you know there's b- bigger picture stuff going. on. I just hate it, hate it, hate it. Don't want to don't want to invest large amounts of money into a player that's that's you know barely seen the pitch for a it year. It would be very just, difficult for him to go to Juve though. So at least you know you probably know that he's probably not going there. <laughs> Someone said Pogba to Wolves. Why not? Sure. <laughs> From one agent to another. <laughs> that works. That works for me. <laughs> Let's do that. Pogba to Wolves. Yeah, Pog- Wolves. Wolves are Wolves are not poor. They can afford. They can afford to take that chance. I, I do not um, think that Juventus can find any way to afford him in the COVID space with their budget, which is already a catastrophe. And then looking at a much worse transfer market to move guys for actual money in order to cover their giant losses. So like Dybala, um, if you move him for this coming summer, at one point it looked like he could cover most of their losses for a year. Like say you get 60, 70 million. Now if he only goes for 45, I, I think they're set to lose something like 100 billion this year. Like just and you know they weren't paying big transfer fees. They were just some getting these players and people were like, oh, they're so clever. They're getting all these guys on a free. And we started to to step back off of that. I think about three seasons ago, we're like, you know, I'm not sure how they're gonna afford to pay all these guys. And obviously, they've got the Ronaldo thing that came in. And yeah, it's a whew, they they have an enormous yeah, wage budget. They they do remain curious as to as to what the strategy, the whole strategy is. Magical money tree. There's multiple rival strategies going on at the same time, <laughs> some of which have uh, maybe coach-led, some of which may be owner-led. I'm not sure. Now, here's here's a here's a couple of interesting ones. We got we got charts for these. Uh, just to, just just to, I'll 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 set the scene. Uh, we got Aubameyang and Aguero. 
And I think the essence of this, I think Aguero's on the next one as well, so you can you can uh, put him up whenever you like. But the essence of this is uh, is going to be 32 when his contract ends, and there's been, obviously been talk about something <laughs> happening with him him this summer, and Aguero's going to be 33. Now, what 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 strikes you about these charts between uh, Aguero two years ago and now, and Abamyang two years ago and now? Anything? Uh, so two things. One, you put Abamyang on the wide forward chart, which I know why you did it, and that's where he's played a lot. Although he tends to move central, uh, but you know he looks like a good output player for a wide forward. Aguero, obviously on striker chart, and he looks like an amazing player and still is an amazing. I literally, I'll tell you what, I literally hadn't noticed that. I thought, <gasps> I thought I'd put him on the striker one because he looks like a, that's a striker shape. Yeah, it does look like right? a striker shape in the <laughs> wide forward shape, and it, it looks like a very like if you look at stats bomb traditional things, it certainly looks like that. But I think that the essence that I was trying to get across here was that, um, you know, age curves are obviously a real thing and, you know, you don't want to end up with the wrong end of your age curve and, and this kind of thing. But I personally believe that the very elite, players of the very elite, they can stretch their age curves a little bit as long as injuries haven't decimated them and, and such and such. I don't think yeah, Birmingham's ever had particularly... Uh, bad in, in no, not at all. So, so Aguero, Aguero's been a bit in and out over the years, but uh, you know he's 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 essentially you know a top class striker and has been for you know more than a decade kind of thing. So I popped it's up interesting the, because the Aubameyang, uh since he was the first one on the list. I popped up the Abamyang striker from two years ago, which has his XG right. around 0.52, and then you know I could overlay it, but I'm being lazy. Uh, so and this year, you know, is actually at point three eight, but he has not been playing very often as a traditional striker, which is why the system defaulted. Okay, to so maybe him a wide yeah, forward. maybe maybe his has dropped a little bit. So, but that's a good yeah, that's an interesting. But like we look at the overview, and he's got you know like eleven nineties out wide um, on the on the left, and maybe even more so as, as what we consider like a, a front three, depending on how you classify. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's that's. Perpetually of a frustrating classification is the difference between like you know your Salah wide forward and your you know, striker stroke wide forward thing. But yeah, I think the, the point I was trying to make is, to, and it's holds stronger for Aguero is that from a performance perspective, we're not actually seeing any kind of decline in his output. And obviously, you're not going to say like, right, Sergio, have another five years on me, but. You know, if, if you're if you're Man City and you you maybe want to roll him over for another year or two years sure. or something, then potentially you do potentially you do that. Obviously, there's you know myriad other factors going on here that might might influence what happens. Potentially, Pep might leave. Uh, he might think, right, yeah, okay, I'll leave too. These you know these things could happen uh, at, at the same time. But yeah, I think I, I just think it's interesting, and like, particularly with Aguero, that you don't actually look at you know a variety of kind of like performance metrics and think like, okay, he's in decline. Um, and so that change slightly changes the dynamic of what you might do as a club. And again, like uh, they've got uh, Jesus, who's obviously a very good striker as well. But when you leave, when you let Aguero leave, can you, um, you know, are you filling his boots adequately with Jesus plus question mark? We had talked about um, this, I think, two years ago on here. Say, and we mm. kind of discussed that Sergio Aguero is generational. Uh, he is mm. an amazing forward and weirdly underrated and had like seems like yeah. he's always underrated. Like yeah. this guy is basically probably one of the best five foreign players ever to come into the Premier League. He's he's one of the best three strikers, I think, in the entire Premier League era. And that, now you could 
argue about that as much as you want to. But he has a huge longevity. He's always been good. He has always performed at like a great level and somehow just never quite ends up getting the respect that it feels like he deserves over and over again. Um, yeah. And and you're right about the age curve. Like Man, Man City will have his, his sort of physical data. Presumably he takes right. very good care of himself. It seems like he's been less injured than he used to be before. Again, you know, useful thing, having a, a great player around who plays all of the minutes. Um, they could go find somebody. But the fact of the matter is, like, in order to find somebody on the market that fits his role, like, there there aren't any. And now you're looking at shelling out, like, 100 million base. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, potentially we'd look at the same thing we just talked about with Madrid and such. You know, you, you may say that, you know, Lukas Jovic is, that, is your guy. But yeah, I haven't got guarantees, and maybe you think, well, one, one or two more years of Sergio, if he wants to stick around, I'll take it. Um, Sergio might want to go elsewhere. Aubameyang, yeah, I think Arsenal is oyster. Arsenal got hit. Like the the COVID thing is, they were probably ready to transition multiple players. Uh, it was time for them to transition multiple players. Uh, I'm assuming that they're not going to squeak into a Champions League spot, and so they they would have happily, you know, shifted if not one, both of their front two that they probably overpaid for a bit that haven't been... Aguero's been a great servant, but he wants to, to compete at the highest level. He knows that he doesn't have that much longer to to do that. Um, so he he would happily go uh, Aubameyang as well. Uh, like I said, you know, a little bit tougher to make sure that you find that guy. Um, Arsenal bought him too late, to be honest with you. So they would have happily shifted them for as much money as possible with the transfer market likely crashing because of the, the pandemic. Now they're, you know, they're left scrambling and they, they won't necessarily have the money to reinvest. And, and Kroenke has never put money into the club, to my knowledge. So, yeah, they, it, this is much tougher on, on them because of that. Uh, so you've got Pogba's information up here from his... Uh, extensive playing yeah. experience <laughs> this season. He's only played seven times, so it's, it was a bit kind of like bit of a shrug, really. Not much I can kind of, but you know, he looks like he's a bit. It, when he has been on the pitch, he's been essentially the player he, he was a couple of years ago. So it's not like you look at that and think, like, oh right, we've, he's he's a different player, or you know, I can I can envisage decline or something. So, but again, small, very small sample this season, so it's so it's hard to know. Can I just very quickly say, someone's someone's asked in the chat, um, uh, you know. Uh, I, I said that elite players might stretch their age curve out a bit. Why do you think that is? It isn't that they. It isn't specifically that I feel that they uh, stretch their age curve out. It's just that I feel that their quality is high enough so that, like you know, a very a very elite player who is thirty three is still a very very good player. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's less. I mean, obviously, physical um, prowess is going to be vital there and if you're a club and you're evaluating as ted said you know how physically uh, robust or fast or strong or whatever it is um then you're going to do that but I, ju- I just personally feel like if your level is extremely high to start with then it's not a case of like oh well, you've got a much longer way to come you're, down you're finished so again yeah, you've got a much longer way to come down like if you assume that this, yeah. this player in particular is is very very good um, you know, you take off 10% of his performance, he's still possibly very, very good. You take off another 10% and you end up kind of in the in the well above average range. So yeah, it's it, it's like you're you're skydiving from a much higher level. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a for some players again, like it's a very gentle curve. They control uh, their body's ability, etc. So yeah. Um, Who else have we got on our list anyway? Well, you've got Pogba up here. I don't. 
I don't think Pogba's been super injured. Somebody in the in the chat thinks so. Like I do not think that's been the case this year. So you know, assume that he can go back to to pretty close to his elite level, and he's not that old. Um, so oh god, all right, yeah. So Ginny Wijnaldum is the next slide, and this is so I. Th- it's been ages since we talked about this, but once upon <laughs> a time, Aiden Hazard was uh, a statistical blind spot for for people who are profiling the game and especially during his elite seasons when you could see that he was changing the game but you know his his assists or his expected assists his expected goals etc not at elite levels but the things that he would do in terms of like moving the ball forward uh very very useful touches in and around the box and passes into the box was a way that we started to um started to identify like what he did a little bit better uh Ball movement and ball progression metrics or goal value added metrics, uh, again, would would flag that pretty strongly. That's where the cutting edge is moving toward, but it's not really in the public space that much. Uh, someone says Aiden Hazard is very easy to spot these days, which is uh, a funny joke, uh, especially given that he was discussing the pandemic time. Ted, please. What? What? He was talking about not wanting to eat all of the bread during the pandemic. I understand. Who doesn't? Uh, not a professional footballer, though. Okay, so anyway, Wijnaldum is, I think, a statistical blind spot for... No stats all-star. In this case, yeah. And I think that he's very good at moving the ball forward and, and keeping things taking over. Um, but almost all of our traditional stats are not impressed. It, I've, I, he's been a bit of a hobby horse for me for for some while by now, then because obviously he, he can he, he can he can be an electric attacking midfielder if he lines up for a Holland and you kind of give him his head and let him play and do that. But he's I he's, I think he's 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 such a role player within within Liverpool. He very obviously doesn't give the ball away. He very obviously uh, you know his passing percentage is obviously all, is always really really high, like you know not above ninety percent. Um, he, he's they've shoot they've put him in the left side of that midfield three this season and the right the right side of the midfield three which has been variously Henderson and Oxley Chamberlain and whomever at times uh, very much gets to go and join the fun up front more often than the guy on the left and uh, it's it's interesting because he's, he's just he's just obviously ideal at being this kind of like non-statistically represented glue guy that kind of like uh, k- keeps things ticking over and I've I've looked at so look, tried to look at so many different kind of angles to kind of like find a concrete like numerical answer as to what it specifically is that Genie Wine Aldum does uh, that that means that he you know elevates uh, elevates his team and uh, how they play and it's just it's just it's just beyond me <laughs> I've tried so hard. He's obviously a really, really good player, but he doesn't ever hit, you know, the statistical kind of like uh, high points that you'd maybe like if you were just, you know, looking at say, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne. It's like, yes, this, 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 and this. <laughs> That's why he's good. I know why he's good because of all of these reasons. Yeah. And Van Aldem's just he's, he's, he's so he's kind of fun like that. And I thought it was interesting because he'll be thirty. I didn't realize he was, he was getting towards a kind of contract situation. He'll be thirty next summer, and I mean. I guess Milner's the blueprint there. Liverpool might look at Milner and say, like, right, we got good use out of him going into, you know, kind of up to 34 as being a kind of squad guy in one of these midfield spots. Do you value what Wijnaldum's brought over a long period of time? The fact that he knows the Klopp system so well, he's been part of it. Do you, you know, did, can you can you kid him into a two-year deal and maybe he's, he's sitting there looking for four? 
I, d- I don't know, but I, I think it's it'll be an interesting situation as to, as to what what Liverpool choose to do uh, with Wijnaldum. They they extended Lallana and then immediately regretted it. To give right, to give yeah, you the yeah. counterpoint, right? So like you know, Milner's the positive case and Lallana's the negative. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. This this is it. Like, how how fast do you want to change? Like, I think the the with Liverpool, the conversation about is how fast do they change their front three? Um, who are all coming to an age where it's like maybe maybe they want a new deal, uh, but maybe that new deal could could extend them too far into the future, you know? And that that getting that balance right, um, yeah, will be interesting. But obviously, yeah, similar questions will will, will be asked about you know the players in behind. And I, I personally, I didn't, I hadn't noticed that Wijnaldum was kind of creeping up into that uh, into that kind of sector um, because yeah, it's it's. It's going to be difficult, you know, to get. I wonder who. I wonder who Liverpool's next signing is. I don't know. Their, their squad, their team is so kind of set at the moment. Like who, who is their first team? Like actually putting new guys into Liverpool's team is is a is a puzzle. It's it's slightly weird because often I have predicted this or we have predicted this years in, <laughs> in advance, and for once we have not here. Uh, you know, I'm Timo Werner is is probably the most commonly heard name, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, like one of the problems that elite teams have and Liverpool have generally felt like they avoid this is they do not get stuck with guys that they're not pretty happy with. They don't and they, they understand all the aging curve stuff. And I'm I'm sure they keep very close track of that. And I'm sure that they're capable, especially given who owns that club, capable of making the critical decisions to, to stick or twist and, and get rid of the guys like before it's too late. Um, but Wijnaldum, I think, is is one area that there just is a hole. Um, you know, like Shane Battier's game now, I think, is the NBA teams are much better capable of assessing why he's really good. And so, like, he was no stats all-star at the time. But if you have a Battier now, like, you know that he's actually really, really good. Um, I think it was Chuck Hayes was one that Daryl Morey said, you know, was completely under the radar. But every time, every lineup that they had with Chuck in it, the Chuck wagon, uh, he just performed better than than anybody would possibly expect, despite the fact that he was completely undersized as a, as a position player, um, as, a, as a center or even as a power forward. Uh, I think when Aldum is just one of those black spots right now that we can't see. But in the coming years, as we as we get better data and have more clarity about different roles for different players, I think he probably will be that way. I'll say one thing related to this. I mean, I think it's probably a year or two ago, um, people would say about Liverpool's team, and it was like, obviously, they had centre-back issues and keeper issues and stuff at, at one point. But it was always a case of like, oh, Liverpool's midfield, you know, where's where's the creator? There was, there was, this, there was this kind of like latent idea that they needed um, especially when Coutinho went, that when they ne- that they needed a creative number ten to play in one of these roles and stuff, and I think uh, w- if if nothing else, like two years of absolutely superlative uh, results and a really good play has kind of like put pay to the idea that Liverpool's like strategy in midfield like needs severe tinkering. It obviously balances the team and works out well. Yeah, is it- you know, you, you could say like, yeah, they've got the strikers, they've got the fullbacks, they've got the set, but like, you know, this is the heart of the team, the center of the team. It ain't broke, you know. We might have opinions about what matters, but their results suggest that those opinions are not entirely relevant to the current team. 
It's, I mean, Henson got stick forever. He still gets stick. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. All right, what don't you like about him? Because he has been a core member of an absolutely elite team for like, multiple seasons now. At least three at least three seasons Liverpool have been, you know, like very much an elite team. Certainly the last two, probably the one before that. They got to the Champions League final, for Christ's sake. And Henson's been a big, big part of that in two roles. At times he's been the, the DM, at times he's played like to the right or, you know, one of the kind of... You know, more attacking kind of midfield role. So anyway, yeah. Who else we got? We got Tiago. Tiago. Now, now this, this, this is why, this is why I'm, I wasn't expecting this because over the years, you know, you you look for a midfielder and you'd find a big radar and it's Tiago and you're like, oh, isn't that lovely? What a lovely big chunky radar he has. <laughs> and, are, are you like the? <laughs> Is this a Red Riding Hood story? Like, is it? Is this some sort of like weird slash porn with Red Riding Hood and Tiago? The only thing well, the only thought here is it's, it's still it's still quite what a lovely you know, large radar you have, no. grandmother. What, <clears throat> he's still got a fairly broad uh, radar, and his you know his metrics are still like quite impressive in most places. But the 29-year-old season is a little bit lesser than the 27-year-old season. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if he is getting a new contract and that's how long is that going? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and write off Thiago. I think he's a great player. but Different style, um, different manager than that season. Yeah, obviously. exactly. All these things could, could, be, could be in play. But, you know, one hit look at here's him two years ago, here's him now. And he's, you know, some categories are... Uh, a little smaller. His, his injury history is spotty at best. Right, so he's turning thirty when his co- when his contract ends. So if they're going to sign him up now at twenty nine for presumably four years, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't do want that? that deal at all. I, I don't I do not want those four four years of deal. I I love Tiago. I have I have since he was. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Tiago. Actually, the whole Alcantara family, pretty damn good footballers. Unfortunately, not very good at staying healthy. <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it's an interesting thing to just literally, like, you know, when you look at a first pass here, I'm not going to say I've, you know, dug deep into into his stats or, like, you know, the, how they set up and how boy and player or anything, but first pass, I'm going to, you know, we're not going to give you the deal this week, Tiago. We'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Just going to do a little bit of looking around. Let, let's <laughs> skip forward to someone that I know excites you on the regular. Oh man, poor old Jesse Lingard. Eh? <laughs> the funny thing is, Jesse, Jesse Lingard's two seasons ago. I think he had really quite high XG, and it was like, look, he's not bad, but he didn't score any goals, mm. if I recall correctly. And now he hasn't got any XG, and he hasn't got any XG assisted. Uh, he's quite energetic, always been energetic, very willing, willing runner. But yeah, I mean, you look at the, you look at the kind of like the the outputs here, uh, two years b- between, and it's like not wildly impressive at all i know you know some of the fan man united's fan base has been a little bit underwhelmed by him for some time and he's actually you know he's become a bit of a meme for his lack of goals and assists but yeah it's a shame really because he's he's going to be i think 28 uh when when this this contract ends you can't imagine he's going to walk into a new one right now um so is this the kind of you know the old Ferguson, old Ferguson players. They used to get to like this kind of squad men. Used to get to this age, and then they then they go to Sunderland or something. Absolutely, that, that feels like you know this I mean? trajectory one hundred percent. 
and that kind of you want no you want no part of that decline and like you know again this is you you've heard that he had like some personal issues uh, at like, yeah, sure. different seasons and stuff like that i don't know anything about that i'm just looking at the data here and i'm i'm scared because like it's a it's a big decline you know he's 27 now peak era is you know he should be doing much better than this so if that decline there is there like that you're worried uh, I will. I will say that I'm slightly concerned about saying less nice things about Jesse Lingard because I I flagged him up as one of the young players to watch ages ago, back when I first started looking at when we first got championship data, um, and the <laughs> uh, this is back in the the much earlier days of of Twitter. His mom, I think, like found it during a Twitter search and like favorited it. And I was like, oh, that's really, really? sweet. His mom is finding this. And obviously- We are, we are here to stand for Jesse Lee. See, there you I go. Hear a bad word against him. I, that's brilliant. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I hope that he returns to form, but as, as someone who uh, I, I would twist on this if this were my decision to make. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's difficult. And um, Oh no, oh no, another hard one. So the, the next one on James's list is Memphis Depay. Yeah, your old friend Memphis. It says Jesse Lingard there. Long, long, long uh, affiliated with. Yeah. Uh, with your heart, at least. As, because, I mean, one of the things about Memphis was one of the things, he was he was always a shot monster, wasn't he? Yeah. He, this was, one you know, really early days of kind of like looking at data and it was just like, you just fell in love with just his sheer shot volume. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, he was nearly six shots a, a game uh, the last <laughs> yeah. year, or last two seasons that he came out of uh, PSV, I think, uh, in the Eredivisie. And, and you're like, there's nobody that has his profile. Like on the, on the whole planet, like there's, he and Suarez and Ronaldo and Messi. That was it. Um, yeah, yeah Mem- Memphis is a, is a tricky character in in some ways, but you know, super talented. Uh, came off of an injury. I think he's playing more um, sort of centrally this year. Like in, right. in years past, he was and and Leon had changed coaches throughout the season as well. So you know, different inputs necessarily, but like also a, a full featured player. Like he's he's. Capable of scoring, he's yeah. pa- capable of assisting. Uh, great dead ball delivery, and and can beat a guy in a dribble. So like these are things that are all really exciting. Looking at mm. this, depending on what his fitness looks like, I'm not that scared of it, especially because yep. he has the ability to play in very good teams. And and up to the season, Leon were a very good team. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the thing. Like, you know, if you if we're just looking at performance and you know nothing off pitch, <laughs> then it looks good. looks looks pretty good. And he's he's you know coming to an age. I mean, this is it. What what's he doing? Is he is he looking to eye up his tw- you know twenty seventh year and then and then maybe two cloth somewhere else, or is he you know is he going to get another contract? I don't know, but. I, I just thought it was interesting to see that he was kind of still progressing. You know, not progressing, but you know, still putting up really quite solid numbers, even though, you know, the the obviously from the, an anglophile kind of perspective, his his profile has has reduced. Um, still pretty good. All right, so we are going to wrap up the Stats Bomb podcast for today. Uh, we're going to we got no one left on our list that we can just hit on quickly. I bet there's one or two. Hang on, I'm 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 going to wrap up the pod. And then we're going to do a little bit of fan service in the uh, um, in the chat. Uh, we're going to do a couple of requests uh, before we finish our hour here. Um, I do want to say that at the end of uh, on Thursday of this week, we're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays, basically every every period um, for the 
the break uh, while the pandemic sort of shutdown is happening. Uh, this week is Oliver Bartlett, uh, formerly of, I believe, briefly of the German national team, also of Borussia Dortmund, Bayer Leverkusen under Roger Schmidt, and then he went to Beijing uh, with Roger as well. So we're going to talk to him about his life and times and about coaching elite level players of fitness and how um, sort of the fitness and sports science uh, needs train based on systems, stuff like that. We're going to get a little bit into the weeds on, on things we don't necessarily touch on. And then two weeks from Thursday is uh, Emma Hayes, uh, head coach of Chelsea Women, has agreed to join us. So that'll be pretty exciting as well. So thank you for joining us. We're going to keep doing this live if you want to hop in there, or we can come to you on a delayed basis to directly to your ears uh, going forward. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheerio. Bye.